Thank you, Beverly. I invite your attention, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We'll start there in just a moment. Once again, this is my sixth Sunday in being here. And as I shared in the first service, we've certainly come to love you and your people. As long as we're here, the shortest time is they draw a bead upon who should come and be your next pastor. But you will always be in our heart. We, we love you. It's also nice to have Gary and Pam Huckleberry drove up from Tucson to visit us today. Thank you guys for, for being here this morning. We started a series on what every church should be. And the reason why I think this is important, Paul had founded this church, and three weeks later, he had to leave. So he gives instruction to the church that they could be strong, that they continue. And the church was able to continue because they followed the admonition that he had shared with them. The first uh, service I mentioned was the purpose of the church. And then why you should love your church. If you love your church, say amen this morning. Amen. And it's very obvious when we walk on campus. We see the kids playing out there on the playground. I'm greeted by Rob. He offers me a breath mint. I just, it's great. I, I appreciate it. I really do. But there, there's a... There's a there's a spirit that is here, and, and it's lovely. And then growing pains. But today, I think there's a responsibility that we as mature believers have for younger believers. The Lord has certainly benefited our lives. There was a great theologian that had written many commentaries and everything. And they asked him, what's the greatest thought that occupies your mind? He said, that Jesus loves me. And that song bore that out once again here even this morning. We've benefited from the salvation of knowing Christ as Savior. You look at our daily benefits. Food, and health, and miracles that take place in hearts and lives. I'm a standing miracle. Maybe next week I'll share that a little bit with you. But your family and your friends, this very church strength and health, the goodness of the Lord. But how can we, in receiving all these benefits, even offer some type of, what I say, repayment to the Lord? Now, you're not working for your salvation. We know that. We are saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. But what can we do now that we've received these things? I invite your attention there, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Those that are physically able, I would like for you to join me and stand as we read God's word together. I will read the odd verses, and then we will read the even verses together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 1. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and you know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. 
But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as you also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face, might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, one toward another, toward all men, even as we do toward you. And together, verse 13, to the end he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all saints. Father, we bow before you humbly. We thank you for this body of believers and how faithful they've been and how kind they've shown their graciousness toward us. Now I surrender the rest of this time to you. I pray that it would bring glory and honor to Christ, that you would help me to preach in thy power and in thy strength and thy might, not in my own. And once again, for any need that is present, someone's heart that's kind of cooled toward the Lord, or maybe someone that really they haven't even started that journey yet. Oh, Lord, could you lift the binders from their eyes? Would, would you help the message to penetrate hearts of those that need to hear it? And, Lord, we leave the results with you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You can go ahead and be seated. A reminder of these first two chapters, Paul explained how the church was born and then how the church was to be nurtured. But today we're going to talk about how the church is to stand. He says to establish there in verse 8. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. Now Paul's desire was to return to them. Why? Well, he was their spiritual father. He had founded this church. His desire was to come and be with them. But it would be eight years later before he was able to come and to see that church. So to help them, he gave three ministries to help the church. First of all, he sends them Timothy, there in verse 2. And he sent Timotheus, our brother. Timothy, he was sent there to help them, to establish them, to comfort them, and to help them concerning their faith. See, Paul had a real heart for ministry, but he was very direct. Listen to what it says in John chapter 10, verse 12. And this applies to whoever would stand in this pulpit, whoever would become the shepherd here. It says, but he that is a hireling, not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming, leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is a hireling, careth not for the sheep. In those days, they would hire someone sometimes to watch over the flock. They didn't belong to them. But when the wolf showed up or danger come, they would flee. Now, your pastor will not be a hireling. He cannot be in it for the money. And he should not abandon his flock. I told you when I started that I would share with you responsibilities of members. And we've done that pretty thoroughly. I do want to share with you this morning 
five key areas of responsibility for a pastor. And I'm a pastor, so I understand this. And I want to share with you some thoughts that I have about this. So join me, 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. I know the pulpit committee is familiar with this. They've went over it. I know many of you mature believers are very aware of this. But I want to point out some things to you. First of all, 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. There is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. And I would echo that. I surrendered my heart to Christ when I was about 12, 13 years of age, went to Bible college at 17, married at 19, and last year we celebrated over 51 years in ministry, in marriage. I love the ministry, and, and if I had another life, I would live it over. I would do it again. It's a great calling. It's very rewarding. It's very hard work. And I will tell those that are interested in ministry, it's 24-7. It's not 8 to 5. You don't just work Monday through Friday, take Saturday off, and show up on Sunday and preach. If you think this is all we do through the week, then you have a misconception about ministry. Ministry is 24-7. All right, verse 2. A bishop then must be blameless, husband of one wife, diligent, sober, good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach. Not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. Verse 4, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report, of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach, the snare of the devil. Five key areas. First of all, is heart issues. It says he must be above reproach. There, there's no hidden things there. You do a background check, obviously, even on credit. Different things such as that. Above reproach. Sober-minded. Now, I think Jesus had a good sense of humor. I, I, laughter is good. Laughter is good for the soul. There's nothing wrong with that. But it means to be sober-minded, serious-minded. The ministry is serious business because we're dealing with souls for all of eternity. Then he needs to be self-controlled and then not a lover of money. And then family matters. Well, the family, it should be healthy spiritually. It says husband of one wife. We understand that. And then to manage his household well. Number three is hospitable. Others come first. That's what I was talking about. Ministry at 3 o'clock in the morning when your phone rings, you know it's not going to be good news. There's something that's happened, an accident. Someone's had to go to the emergency room. There may have been a death in the family. You have to be willing to put others first. You're not, you're not self-centered. You're selfless. You're a servant. But the scripture does say apt to teach. There needs to be a teaching ability. There needs to be upon him that he's able to share God's word faithfully. Not a bully. Not quarrelsome. Have a good reputation. Why is this? Well, it's all for his glory. Number four, must pursue accountability. I've been with Pastor Armstrong at Tucson Baptist now for 14 years. 
Shortly after he came, he called me into his office, and he has shared this publicly so I can share it. He asked me to become his accountability partner. Now, what that means by an accountability partner, I could come into his office anytime, unannounced, and ask him to please close the door. And then I would ask him some very direct questions. I would ask him how his thought life was. I was asked if he was watching anything he should not be watching. I would ask him if there was a flirtatious situation going on. Was there a distraction in the ministry? Was there someone trying to entice him away from what he's supposed to be doing? How's his family life? How's his marriage? How's his finances? And at the end, I would look him in the eye and I'd say, have you ever lied to me? And I would do that once a month, maybe twice a month, as the Lord would lead. Men, I would encourage you to find an accountability partner. Now, I, don't, I am not casting aspersions upon this church, but when a Christian survey say that 68% of men have difficulty with watching things they shouldn't be watching, it's real. And is used to destroy marriages and ministries. So be careful. I, if I can encourage you in anything this morning, watch out for isolation. And then it says, not a new convert. In other words, not someone that's just been saved a short time. You want someone that has had some type of ministry and growth in his life. And then number five is preach the truth. Your ministry, the person that comes here, it's a call of a grace-filled God. We're thankful for that. And I'm the first to say that none of us are perfect. Titus, I know you can turn up the dial, but do you ever turn it down? I just, just kind of, you know, you, you have that option there. You do. I'm teasing. And I really appreciate you and your ministry. And I'm thankful you're feeling better. You, you've been the tip of the spear here. Thank you for what you're doing. But we need to be following Christ. A righteous man stumbleth seven times, but riseth up. All right, let's move on now to the bounce of the message. Mature Christians teaching others. Join me once again, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 11. Mature Christians teaching others. In my conversations, I've had the privilege of having a number of meals with different members of the church. You love this church, and in talking with you, many of you have been saved many years. You're mature believers. My conversations in the foyer in the parking lot, phone calls, different things, emails. You all are mature Christians. I believe this. But Hebrews 5.11 points something out. Of whom we have many things to say, hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. I, I want to be careful here. I want to make sure that you have not become dull of hearing. In other words, you're hearing, but you're not applying it. You're not responding to it. You're basically... You've got like cotton in your ears. You don't want to hear it, and you're just ignoring what's been taught. You don't want that to be said of you. For when the time you ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, or become such as have need of milk and not a strong meat. In other words, what has happened, yes, you may have embraced Christ as Savior, but you've remained a babe in Christ. You don't want that. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. He is a babe. For strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised. And here's the gate, discern both good and evil. 
You have that discernment. You have that gift. You have that ability with the working of the Holy Spirit. So what you do, you know what you believe, why you believe it, and where you can find it. The first requirement that Timothy pointed out that uh, for us to work with a new believer, that obviously they were a believer. And the second requirement is as a servant. See, when you work with new believers, be prepared. Sometimes problems will arise. Sometimes patience will be tested. Sometimes your love quotient will be a little short. You have time. You have setbacks. But Philippians 2.20 says, For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. What I'm talking about here, be sure that we don't marginalize people and keep them on the edge here at the church. Look around you. Make sure that everyone's included. Someone may be carrying a burden in their heart that no one else here knows. So learn to discern that and be spiritually sensitive. Make sure everyone's included. Everyone's informed. Everyone is involved. 1 John 5, 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Secondly, second major thought here, first of all, he sent them Timothy, and then he shares a letter with them. Verse, chap, chapter 3, verse 6. But now when Timotheus came from you unto us, brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that you have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you all in our affliction and distressed by your faith. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. Oh, Paul had, had sent Timothy there to get a report. He wanted to hear how the church was doing. Timothy brings back a good report. So Paul was able to rejoice. He was worried. He was worried about the persecution upon those new believers. He was worried that the church that had been established was just going to be completely squashed, that it was going to be disorganized, that it was just going to go away. But it stood strong, just as you are standing strong in the time of your trial right now. New believers were standing in spite of persecution. So let me encourage you, stay strong. Stand on what you believe. Don't rush the process. God has a plan. Look with me in Psalm 37. This is a great verse for you as an individual or even here for this church. Psalm 37. Look at verse number 23. The steps of a good man are ordered or directed by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. He knows the path that you're going to go. Uh, I, I love Psalm 139. It, it teaches, it says, God knew all about us when we were going to be born. He knew the color of our eyes. He knew the color of our hair. He knew who our parents were going to be. All the way from our conception. It's amazing. And now he tells me here that he knows my steps. And he's going to direct me. He's going to direct me as he directed me in my marriage. He's going to direct me in my career. He's going to direct me in my family. He's going to direct this church. And he delights in his way. But Paul did talk about something sometimes that we overlook. And that is the area of temptation. And temptation is something we all face. 
So look with me in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Those of you that are good Bible students already know this passage very well. But I want to point out a few things maybe you haven't thought of. So join me, Matthew chapter 4, verse number 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hunger. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city, setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, it's written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into exceeding high mountain, showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, the glory of them. Saith unto him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. First of all, the very first verse says, when we think of temptation, obviously we think of Satan. But he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness there. See, the devil's allowed to test him, but the devil is not allowed to lead him. Just as the Lord leads us. And then it says he fasted how long? 40 days, 40 nights. When was the last time that you had to fast? I know I had major surgery not long, several years ago, but I had to fast before that. Uh, Sometimes you've had a very spiritual need here at the church and you've prayed over something in prayer and fasting. Every night you will fast some 12 hours. You get up and you break fast or have breakfast. That's what that is. But he went 40 days. What was the first thing offered to him? The stones, turn them to bread. That was materialism. And Satan puts that right there in front of him, and he says, if you are the son of God. Some commentator says that means since you're the son of God. If you claim to be God, then go ahead. Turn those stones into bread. Go ahead and eat that. And what was Jesus' reply? From Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He might make thee know that man doth not live by bread, only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Ah, the Bible says our bread of life, and it feeds us every day. We thirst after righteousness for him. Oh, then he's taken up to the pinnacle, 30, 40 feet high there on that tower. And the devil says, just go ahead and jump down. That's sensationalism. Go ahead, draw the people to you. They'll see what happens, and then then they'll recognize maybe that you're the son of God. Just go ahead and jump off. Oh, and Satan quoted scripture. Did you notice that? Oh, yeah, he'll give his angels charge over thee. Nothing will happen to you. Jesus' response, again, Deuteronomy 6.16. You shall not tempt the Lord your God as you tempted him. The one that grabs me is this last one. 
Satan takes him up into a high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world right there. And we remember who's the God of this world? It is Satan. He's offering him all these kingdoms. All you have to do, Jesus, bow down, worship me. All these kingdoms will be yours. Maybe quietly he's whispering to Jesus, no cross, Jesus. No cross. No death. No pain. No suffering. Just worship me. All these kingdoms will be yours. Jesus responded, Deuteronomy 6.13, Thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him, and thou shalt swear by his name. That's who we're going to serve. We're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So for you, and temptation that comes into your heart and life, young and old, we deal with knowledge and the use of God's word. Thy word have I hid in my heart, what? That I might not sin against thee. So stay active in God's word. Read it, apply it, study it, memorize it. Now you have a Patch the Pirate program here, scripture memorization. At the end of the year, I know sometimes I'm amazed. Some of the kids will memorize two, three, four hundred verses of scripture. But I challenge us as adults, when was the last time that we've even memorized one verse of scripture? See, we get comfortable. We get into a rut and we stay there. Come on, let's put that word of God there. All right, just a recap. First Thessalonians dealt with sin. It deals with the story of salvation. It deals with the doctrine of God. It speaks about the work of the ministry. And the next week, of course, we'll be covering the doctrine of last things. All I'm pointing out, a working knowledge of the Bible is essential for our spiritual growth, for our stability to help young believers mature. I don't know about you, but I think absolutes are needed. We're living in a world where right seems wrong and wrong seems right. right. Beverly and I were talking last night, and sometimes I get so upset when I see things on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I want to become a warrior and, and just chop somebody. You know, I just, <laughs> I get so, 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 so upset. What will happen is someone will take a snippet. And they'll say, you know, Habakkuk questioned God, and Job questioned God, and David questioned God. You know, it's just a snippet of the truth because they don't follow through with it. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, yes, everything looks terrible. The stalls are empty. There, there's no food. It, 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 it's as bleak as it can possibly be. But he says in verse 18, I will rejoice in the salvation of my God. He, he comes back to that. And Job himself, we know the story of Job. But Job says, in my flesh, I shall see my Redeemer. Yes. And David, yes, David questioned the Lord. But then he would come back. David's known as a man that was after God's own heart. He truly loved the Lord. Well, I believe that's why God has established Mountain Vista Baptist Church. As believers, you're going to grow in the word, and then you're going to help others to grow. One last area, let's go to 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 9. These are simple outlines, but Paul prayed for them. And prayer is essential. My first or second service, I encouraged you, 
Every time you eat, you pray for the pulpit committee. Pray for them. May, they may be drawing a bead. I, 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 I teasingly say I hope they have a prospect and I hope it's gold. I, ho I hope, <laughs> hope they have the right one there. Amen. That's what we desire. 1 Thessalonians 3.9 For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before God. Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face. Might perfect them which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. The Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, toward all men, even as we do toward you. To this end, he may establish your hearts, unblameable holiness before God, even our Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Now, I appreciate the, the Sunday school lesson, Ed, and he shares prayer requests, and people will write them down. And uh, sometimes you'll meet someone and you'll say, I'll pray for you about that. I'll pray for you about that. Well, let me remind you what 1 Samuel 12, 23 says. Moreover, for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you. When you make a covenant to pray for someone, make sure that you follow through on that. I think we're a little light on that sometimes. So let's be careful of that. I will teach you the good and the right way. But here in this passage, Paul shares three specific requests. His first one was that their faith may mature. Romans 1.17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, The just shall live, what? By faith. Probably one of the greatest Old Testament examples of this is the story of Abraham. We have time. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1. Genesis 12, verse 1. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. He's going on a thousand mile trackless journey through the desert. No street signs. God's going to lead him. God's going to direct him. The steps of a good man are ordered or directed by the Lord. This is true in his case. Verse 2. Now I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing. Now I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Well, we move the story alone. God has promised this nation is going to come from Abram. But he doesn't have a child. And an angel appears unto Abram and Sarah and tells them that they're going to have a child. And she's way beyond birthing time, 99, almost 100 years of age. My imagination, can you see them as they go down to the baby store and they start walking around and they pick out a little, little carrier and baby diapers and wait a minute, what's going on here? But God promised that they were going to have a son and they have a son, Isaac. Oh, but then God brings a test, a circumstance into his life. 
forced him to trust God and to grow in his faith. That, that promise, Jehovah, Jireh, the Lord provides. He and his son, God has instructed him that he's to sacrifice the son upon the altar. And they go out to the mountain, a three-day journey with the donkey and the wood. His son picks the wood up. Some commentaries say he's 12, 13. Others say 22, 25. I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't matter. The son says, uh, where's, the, where's the offering? Where's the ram? And Abraham says, the Lord himself shall provide the sacrifice. That's the Lamb of God. That's what that was pointing forward to. But they go and they build the altar there. And Abram begins to follow through what he's supposed to do. Now we have pictures sometimes, Abram, with this knife raised up. No, 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 no. When they would slay the animal, they would actually slit their throat. So Abram's close to his son. He's getting ready to do that deed. And God intervenes. I, I, I still, I know it's hard for us to understand this. But God provided the lamb right there and took care of it. All I'm pointing out to you, faith becomes stronger with our use. A faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Amen. And right now your faith may be trust, being, being tested. He tries our faith not to destroy it, but to develop it. The second request that he had about prayer was that their love might abound. And how do we respond to life situations? Are we bitter? Or better. It's only one letter difference. It's the letter I. How you respond. But for you and for your church, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Make sure no one is left out. Genuine love. Caring for one another. Coming, coming really alongside and helping to bear the burden that they carry. Continue to stand strong. See, our growing faith should result in our growing love for others. And then lastly, Paul's third request was holiness of life. Be ye holy, for I am holy. Hey, no one's perfect. I know that. But are we living a life that's pleasing to the Lord? Do we have a life of stability? Last week, I challenged you to think about the return of Christ. Have you thought about the return of Christ this past week? Once, twice, every day? Every morning we get up, that should be on our mind. He, he could come today. If not today, he's only one day closer to coming. And then helping others to mature. We'll close in Galatians 6. Galatians 6. Verse 1 and 2. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, mature, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Let's go ahead and take a moment just to bow our heads. And as the music plays here this morning, You'll have an opportunity just right where you're seated, and I'll be sharing a few thoughts with you. Just the music can help quiet some things and quiet our hearts. My main purpose in this message is 
that we're able to help young Christians mature. And we looked at how the Lord has truly benefited our lives. Paul sends Timothy, and he shares a letter, but he spends time praying. This morning, is it possible that you're facing a particular temptation? No one else knows about it, but you know about it. It's been a burden, and you would like to break free from that. You'd like to break free from that bondage. You can pray right where you're at and say, Lord, forgive me for I failed you. Help me, Lord, to overcome this. Help me to be victorious in Christ. Would you fill me and empower me by the Holy Spirit? Lord, I don't want to continue on that path. And your faith right now, you, you, you may have wondered a little bit about God. You may feel like he's ignored you, left you alone. He hasn't. He loves you. He has the very best in store. And then what's your love quotient? Do you genuinely love others? Have we become selfish and self-centered? Be careful that we don't remain that way. And then be holy, for I'm holy. But you may be here this morning, and you know in your heart, you've never really accepted Christ as Savior. Oh, you've heard messages, you've been in church, you might have been in this church, you may have been here. But if you're here this morning, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart, about possibly accepting Christ, would you be kind enough just to raise your hand? No one else is looking around. I will not come back. I will not embarrass you in any way. It would just be that I could pray for you. But is there anyone here this morning that would say, you know, I know that I need to know Christ as my Savior. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? All right, is there anyone here this morning? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you. We'll pause right here. We're going to pray. For the one that raised your hand, you can say in your heart this prayer. You can say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save my soul. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. I trust you now as my personal Savior. Give me a home in heaven, Lord. I love you and thank you again for all that you're going to do. I believe the Bible where it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I place my faith and trust in you now. In Jesus' name, amen. And then, Lord, anyone else here this morning that would say, Jim, I have a burden. I have something that I would just like for you to bring before the Lord. If that be your situation, would you raise your hand? No one else is looking around. This is between me and you and the Lord. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, Father, as we close out this service, we surrender those that uh, have lifted their hand and indicated that they're carrying a heavy burden. You say, come unto me, all you that labor heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for my burden is light. My yoke is easy. So I pray you would lift their individual burden. For those that have been facing temptation, that they would be victorious. We pray that you'll help us till we meet again. We pray all this in Christ's name. And all God's people says, Amen. Amen.